to you again this morning. Um, we are in a series we've been doing this summer, just Summer in the Psalm. We're taking a different psalm every week and walking through it verse by verse um, and, and getting to really see what it looks like to talk with God, to have a relationship and, and connection with God. And so this morning we're going to be in Psalm 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalm 4. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a seat back around you. In those seat backs are also uh, communic- or connect cards as well as offering envelopes. Um, those we will collect later on when we take our offering. If you are, um, if you have questions, comments, prayer requests, you can use the Connect cards for that. If you want to get more involved with the church, if you want to find a new way to serve or get more information about the church, you can use the Connect cards. It's the best way to get a hold of us. Um, and so we'll collect those later on as well. Those are in the seat backs around you. So um, as you turn to Psalm 4, uh, I want to ask this question. Have you ever had a night where... You get to the end of the day, you're laying in bed, you're thinking about how your day went, and you start thinking through the checklist of things you were supposed to get done that day, and you realize you didn't get done with all of them. You realize there's still things that you left on the table. And so then you start thinking, okay, well, I've got to get those done tomorrow, and then tomorrow's checklist breaks into your mind. And the things you were supposed to get done tomorrow that you're already planning on not being able to accomplish because you didn't get done what you needed to get done today, and now the stress is starting to build. And then your mind wanders to that fight you had with your spouse, with your child, with your friend, and how that isn't resolved. And now the stress is just starting to build up and build up, and you're worried about where your next, you know, who's, how, how are the bills going to get paid? How, are, how am I going to get through this week? And then your favorite sports team is on a four-game losing streak, and when in the world are they going to start winning again? All of these things build up and build up and build up, and then next thing you know, your alarm clock goes off, and it's the next morning, and you didn't get any kind of sleep. That's the kind of night David is having here in Psalm 4. That's the kind of night that he's in the midst of. And yet, when we get to the end of Psalm 4, we see that David finds a way to find rest, even in the midst of of the stress. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read through Psalm 4. Heavenly Father, God, your word tells us that you hear us when we call, and God, we are calling out to you right now. God, we know that you answer prayers because we've seen you do it before. We've seen you do it over and over again. Lord, there are those in this world who don't know you who are lost and who are searching. God, we pray that you break down the things that are keeping them from you. Lord, help us to reflect you to this world, to spend time with you, to pursue you. God, keep us from wandering to other things for our fulfillment. Keep us from wandering to other things for our distraction. God, remind us of your protection. Remind us of the safety that you provide for us. Lord, as I preach this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be glorifying to you. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So I'm going to read straight through Psalm 4 and then we will go back and take it apart. Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. 
Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So David jumps in in this psalm, crying out to God. David calls out to God. There is an urgency and a passion to to this prayer. There's an urgency and a passion to the way that David speaks with God. Is there an urgency and a passion when you pray to God? When you are spending time with God, is there an urgency there? Is there a passion there? I'm not talking about when you're praying amongst people. I'm talking about you alone with God. Is there an urgency and a passion there? And I'm not saying that more passion equals more answered prayers, right? Like the louder you get, God's going to answer more of your prayers. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, your passion is a reflection of the severity of the situation, right? Your passion can reflect how connected to God you are. Right, think about it this way. If you go to a football game, Bears Open Training Camp in like two weeks, I'm pretty pumped. Um, you go to a football game, and you got one fan on the right, and he has got the Bears jersey on, and his face is painted, and he's got one of those cool foam fingers, and he's yelling and screaming, and he knows every player on the team. He knows every number. He knows their stats. When the Bears score, he sings along with the Bears fight song. Yes, there's a Bears fight song. It's awesome. He is totally invested in the game, totally connected. And then next to him is another guy, just kind of generic, you know, not wearing any of the Bears colors, kind of paying attention to the game, claps a little bit, cheers a little bit. You would look at these two, two guys and you would say one of them is very invested, very connected. One of them is kind of invested, is sort of just there. An active and passionate prayer life is a reflection of your relationship with God. The way that you speak with him, the way that you communicate with him is a reflection of your relationship with God. David here is crying out to God. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. David knows where his righteousness comes from. David knows that the only reason he has the ability to stand before God, the only reason he has the ability to pray this prayer right now is because his righteousness is not from himself, but from God. David knows it is not his own righteousness, but God's imparted righteousness on him that gives him the ability to even pray this way. Our ability to go to God in prayer and be heard isn't based on how good we are. It's based on how great God is. It's based on his righteousness. It's based on his gift to us. So David says, God, you are the God of my righteousness. You are the one who imparted righteousness to me. It's your grace that saves me. And God, you have given me relief when I was in distress. We've seen this before as we walk through the Psalms where David has used this method before where he talks about and he addresses God, basing his interaction with God on something from the past. The way God has treated him in the past, the way God has interacted with him in the past, David said, God, you've done this before. God, do it again. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is never changing which is in stark contrast to the gods, the false gods of this time and gods of mythology and and false gods in general have usually a fairly human uh, disposition about them. Most of the false gods, most of false religions and the rituals are based on, I want to make this god like me more. 
I want to make this God happy. I want him to bless my, co- my crop grain, you know, my grain, and so I'm going to pray to the grain God and hope that he's in a good mood. I'm going to address him and hope that he's happy. How exhausting is that? To constantly worry about whether or not God is in a good mood. To never know where you stood with him. To always be tiptoeing, always be wondering whether or not when you approach God, is he going to be happy or is he just going to get angry with me for talking to him? Our God is not like that. Our God is not fickle. He does not have the same kind of temperament that humans do, where, you know, like you could just have a day where nothing goes wrong, but you're just in a bad mood. That doesn't happen with God. We can trust God's character. We can trust God's character and the fact that it does not change ever, that he is not dependent on us. We don't worship God. We don't come together on Sunday mornings and worship God to make him like us more. We come together and we worship God because he deserves it, because he is worthy of it, because he is holy and set apart. David approaches God based on how God has treated him in the past. And it's only then that he focuses on what's coming at him. David approaches God based on God, how God has treated him in the past, and he focuses on what he knows to be true. In the Old Testament, people would build altars to remember what God had done at certain locations. Right? We saw some of that in the series we went through this year, where when God would speak, when God would move, God would do something amazing. They would take a couple of stones, whatever was laying around, and they'd build these little altars so that the next time they traveled through there, or the next time their descendants traveled through there, somebody would come by and see that and say, God moved here. God did something here. This place is important. When we are in hard times, when we are in the midst of trouble and distress, we need to remember back to the altar moments. We need to remember back to those times in our lives where we saw God move, where we know God answered a prayer, where we know God gave us comfort. Those moments in time where we remember God is good. We need to think back to those altar moments where we experienced his grace. Because he's been faithful to you over and over and over again. So then when you're praying in this moment and you're stressed and you're exhausted and you don't know if God's going to answer this prayer, we need to remember back to, oh yeah, he's answered this prayer over and over again. He's going to answer it again. He's going to be faithful again. And like I said, it's only after speaking with God, it's only after addressing God that David then in verse 2 addresses those who are attacking him. How much better would our world be if before we address those who are attacking him, before we lashed out, We took some time and talked to God first. We took some time and offered up these concerns to God, and then we talked to people. And then we respond to the things in our lives. Look at verse 2. He says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? The people David is addressing were rejecting him and his leadership. Why? Because they loved vain words and sought after lies. In other words, they were worshiping false idols. They were worshiping false gods. They were listening to the, the priests of these false gods. They were trusting handmade statues and fables and fairy tales more than the God who had provided for them and more than the leader that God had put in place, King David. And because they were worshiping idols and they were listening to these false priests of these idols, they stopped wanting to listen to God. They stopped wanting to listen to anything good that was going on. 
That's usually how it goes, right? Usually when we're pursuing something or someone more than we're pursuing God, you don't want to hear from the people who are faithful to God. You don't want to hear from the people who are stepping into your life because they love you and saying, I don't think you're making the right decision here. We don't want to hear that. When you're in darkness, the light can hurt your eyes, right? Growing up, uh, my parents' house, I slept in, I was in the basement, and my room didn't have any windows on it. So at night, when I turned the lights off, well, really, anytime, I turned the lights off, it was pitch black in my room. And it was cold in the summer, and it was awesome. And my dad has this like unique gift where it doesn't matter what time I set my alarm clock for, he somehow knew and would come in like two minutes before the alarm was about to go off to wake me up. And that's the worst. And he would come in, and I had this big light in the middle of the room, and he'd flip the light on and tell me to get up. And when you're in darkness for a very long amount of time, and you get light shined in your eyes, it hurts. And it kind of disorients you a little bit. When you spend too much time in darkness and then you're exposed to the light, you realize things have to change. Your eyes have to adjust to the good. Your eyes have to adjust to the light. When we're stumbling around in darkness and someone tries to bring light into that, it doesn't feel good at first because we want to keep going in the darkness. When we try to find our fulfillment in anything or anyone outside of God, what we are doing is loving vain and empty promises and seeking after lies. It's a pointless and unsatisfying endeavor. And now if you contrast that with verse 3, David says, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. God has set apart those who are committed to him. God has set apart those who are in relationship with him. And one of the benefits of that, David says, is that God hears and listens to the prayers of his people. Last night we had a potluck and prayer night, and there was like 20 of us gathered in the back praying. And it was so good to hear people praying out loud, to get in the small groups and pray for each other. That's a gift that we've been given. You see, the free gift of grace and redemption that Christ offered at the cross is available to anyone. David talks about being set apart, but it's available to anyone. But to have the benefits of that decision, to have the benefits that go along with how God interacts with you, how God sees you as a Christian, you have to actually make a decision. And David lays this out simply. He says, basically, you can keep pursuing idols. You can keep wasting your time on stuff that does not fulfill and will not last. Or you can accept the grace that God is offering you. You can accept the new life that God is offering you. You can be with God or you can be against God. It's really simple. You either believe Jesus is who he said he is. God in the flesh come to earth to pay the penalty for our sins and offer us forgiveness and offer us eternity with God. Or you don't. There's no in-between. There's no, he was a good guy, he was a great prophet, he was nice. No, it's he was God or he wasn't. David says, those who are set apart, those who are with God, God hears the prayers of them. And these people, these men who are attacking David, they are on the other side. And so David offers them some, some advice. In the midst of them attacking him, David here writes in this song, this is some things that you should probably do instead. Encouraging these men to change. And he says in verse 4, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. You can get angry. The Bible has just given you 
cause, or he's allowed you to be angry. You're allowed to be angry. But in your anger, don't sin. Don't lash out at people. Don't lash out at the person who made you angry or the person who just happens to be around you when you're angry. I have a tendency when I am in an argument or a disagreement with someone, some point in the argument, I tend to stop caring about whether or not I convince the person to believe what I believe, and I just want to stop the conversation and prove that I won. And usually when I do that, I do that poorly, and I tend to sin when I do that. Because I'm just looking to end the conversation and shut that person up. It's an area that I struggle in. It's an area that I have to constantly be mindful of. Um, but it's something that I, that I struggle with. It's an area where I can get angry and I sin in that. God says you can be angry. There's lots of things in the world right now to get angry about. There's lots of things in the world right now to get angry about. But when you get angry, do not let that anger fester and turn to hate. Do not let that anger cause you to lash out in violence. Whether or not you, I'm not going to lay out like this is what it means, like you got angry and you, did, you responded this way, and I'm not going to lay out like this is sin, this is not sin. Whether or not you got angry and sinned is between you and God. You know in your heart. God will reveal in your heart whether or not you sinned in your anger. He knows, you know. And if you do sin in your anger, because we're going to sin, you confess it to God, you repent of it, you apologize for what you've done, and you learn from it, and you grow, and you try to not make the same mistakes over and over again. David says, be angry and do not sin. Do not lash out in your anger. Instead, ponder. Ponder it in your hearts on your bed and be silent. Instead of letting your anger consume you and you lash out, instead reflect on it. Reflect on, why are you so angry? What caused you to get to that spot? Open up to God and be vulnerable with him. Talk it out with him in the comfort and coziness of your bed. Spend time confiding in God about what made you angry. And then he says, be still. Be silent. Let God speak. Let God bring to mind the scriptures that you've memorized. Let God bring to mind what he wants to say to you. David here says, do it at the end of the day. He says, when you're in bed, think it through. Think through your day. If that works for you, do it then. The point here is, have a time set aside every day where you are opening your heart to God, where you are having a conversation with him, and then a time where you're just being silent and listening to it. Listening to what he has to say. Listening to what he wants you to hear. Having a time set aside every day where you're talking to him and then listening and letting him speak. David goes on to encourage these men who are attacking him. He says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord in verse 5. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Don't sacrifice to idols. Don't give your time and energy and money and life over to idols, but to God. Right? For David, he was living at a time when they still had the sacrificial system in place. We don't have that anymore. This place would be a lot smellier and a lot dirtier if we still had to do sacrifices. Carpet would not be a great idea. We don't have that anymore because Jesus came and was our one and ultimate sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. So we don't have to do sacrifices anymore. So how do we apply this verse to us? We do have time. We do have money. 
We have talents. We have energy. We can offer those things to idols, or we can offer those things to God. David is saying, take those things, offer right sacrifices, offer these things to God instead of false idols, because they're God's anyway, right? We talked about that last week. God made all things, and so all things belong to him. So the things he has given you are his anyway. Think about your week. Think about your, your budget. Think about your time and your energy. Where are these things going? What are you putting, your most, what are you putting the most value in? In this verse, he says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And I don't think the sacrifice part was the most important thing David is talking about here. I think it's the second half. I think when he says, put your trust in the Lord, that's the more important thing David wants these guys to know. Remember, these are guys who are attacking him. And now he is offering and inviting them into the same kind of grace, the same kind of relationship he has with God. These people who are slandering him, who love lies and vanity, he says, put your trust in the Lord. Because David knew the sacrifices, the rituals, they weren't then and they aren't now enough. One of the commentaries I read said this, the sacrifices are only right sacrifices when they are acts of devotion flowing out of a right relationship with God. It's easy to say the right things and look the part of a Christian, right? Even if you don't have a Christian background, you could come to church a couple of weeks, learn a little bit of the lingo, learn when to raise your hands in the song, memorize a couple of Bible verses, and you can play Christian pretty easy. But that stuff doesn't matter. Whether or not you're serving every week, whether or not you show up every week, those things are good, but what's your motivation behind them? That stuff doesn't matter if your heart isn't invested in it. God doesn't need people doing good, moral, religious things. He's God. He doesn't need us. But rather, he offers his grace and love and mercy. And then on top of that, he invites his sons and daughters, he invites Christians to be part of what he is doing on this earth, to be part of the redemption he is bringing to this earth. He invites us to be his representatives here on this earth. So it's not that you should serve in church. It's we get to serve one another. We get to serve this community. We get to love and show tangibly how we can care for one another. That's a gift. That's a gift and a response to what God has already done for us. David says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Trust in it to secure for you your eternity with God in heaven and not separated from him in hell. Because sin equals death. Sin equals hell. That's the penalty. That's the payment. And we've all sinned. And so God, in wanting us to not have to be separated from him forever, sends his son to live a perfect life, dies on the cross, and then raises from the grave to show he is more powerful than anything Satan could do. He's more powerful than sin. He's more powerful than death and the grave. Those things couldn't hold him. He was alive. He is alive. Trust in the Lord. Trust that God is for you and not against you. Trust that he wants to have a relationship with you. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And yet, even in the midst of these encouragements from David, and yet there are still people who just want what's easy. 
who just want what makes them feel good. Look at verse 7. Sorry, verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Who will show us some good? The kind of people David is talking to put their hope in this world, put their trust in this world, have put their hope in things other than God. They are looking for anything and anyone to follow. Who will show us some good? Who's got a message that brings the most good to me, that isn't too hard to follow, that doesn't cost me too much, that doesn't expect that much of me? Who's got a message that I can listen to that doesn't really expect all that much? I can just kind of show up and and get from it. And we do this with the idols in our lives. We do this not only with the idols we fall victim to, but the messages we hear. We do this even with churches and with podcasts and with books. And we, we take even the Bible and we read the Bible and we pick and choose the pieces of it we want to listen to. And we pick and choose the pieces of it that we want to apply to ourselves. And the ones that we don't like, the ones that are too hard, we say, well, context, they were writing to a certain people at a certain time, so that doesn't apply to me. I'm under grace, so I don't have to deal with those things. And we make excuses to ignore parts of what God has commanded for us. Those people just want something good. But God wants to give you what is best. Who will give us something good? God will give you what is best. And look at David's response in verse 6. They say, who will show us some good? David's response is, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. David's response to these people is a prayer to God. If you are a regular attender here, if this is your home church, you know every week we do a final blessing. And the final blessing for the last like four months has been the same final blessing over and over again. And it comes from number 6. It's the blessing of Aaron when he was made the high priest. God told him, say this, pray this over the people. And I picked it as our final blessing and the thing I want us to end our time with every week because the way it's been explained to me, I heard it explained by a pastor one time, is that that blessing, that final prayer, is the Christian's birthright. It's what you deserve. It's what you get when you become a Christian. It's what God has imparted to you. And one of the lines in that is that the Lord would turn his face toward you. And that's what David is saying here. Lift up the light of your face upon us. Turn your face toward us. Literally, that God would bestow his favor on you. That he would pour out his blessings on you. That he would satisfy and protect you. Just as he's been doing since Aaron prayed that prayer that he would pour out his blessing and protection on you, just as he's been doing for thousands and thousands of years. David's response to these people searching for good enough is is that he wants them to encounter the fullness of God's favor, the fullness of God's grace. Not just what's good, but what is best. And usually how this plays out in our world is that we take these things that we really like in this world, we take these things that we find comfort in, these things other than God. And it's basically just dirt. And you have your little pot of dirt, and you love it, you hide it from other people, you keep it to yourself when you're tired, when you're sick, when you're, when you're just frustrated with the world and overwhelmed and depressed and stressed, you go to your little pot of dirt and it makes you happy. 
And if someone accidentally sees your little pot of dirt, you try and minimize it. You try and say, well, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a pot of dirt. It could be a way bigger pot of dirt. And you try and make it look nice, and you try and make excuses for it. And what God does is he says, look, how about a trade? You give me your dirt. I'm going to give you blessing on blessing on blessing. Gold and rubies and diamonds and emeralds. I will bless you on top of blessing on top of blessing. Just give me the dirt. We say, God, I love my dirt. It's my little pot of dirt. This is my comfort. This is my safety blanket. I can't give this up. So how about you just give me the blessings and I keep this dirt. I'll just keep it and hide it and nobody else has to know about it. But that's not how it works. God says, no, give me the dirt. Give me the dirt and I will bless you. I will take care of you. I will protect you. I will be your God. Just hand over the pot of dirt. And we grip it tighter. And we say, okay, God, how about this? How about you give me the blessings for a little while. I'll see if I like what you're offering because what you're offering sounds like some work. Sounds like I have to respond to this stuff. Sounds like this might have to change my life. You're already asking me for my dirt. So how about you give me a little bit? I'll try it for a while. If I don't like it, then I still have my dirt. No, that's not how it works. Give me the dirt. Give me these things that are holding you back from me. Give me these things that are worth nothing. These things that are of this worth that have no value. And I will take care of you. I will bless you. I will be there for you. Stop holding on to what is good enough. I want to give you what is best. We look around for what's just good enough. We look around for what's going to appease us right now or distract us right now. David's prayer is that they might experience the grace and favor of a God who will provide. To experience a God who will protect. To experience a God who will love unconditionally. And to experience God is to experience joy. Look at verse 7. It says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when the grain and wine abound. When your hope and faith is found in what is earthly and temporary, you might get excited about that thing. You might get excited for a little while. You might even experience a little bit of happiness when your dirt makes you happy. These people are searching for whatever or whoever to give them good enough to make them happy. They're happy when they're full and drunk and distracted. The latest technology, the latest intellectual advance, a certain political position, a relationship, food, money, sex, these things are temporary and they don't last and they are worthless in comparison to what God has for you. God gives us more than just stuff. God gives us himself. Yes, he might bless you in an actual, physical, tangible way. But more than that, when the Bible talks about blessings, when the Bible talks about how God wants to be and bless you and take care of you, he is talking about so much bigger than what this world has to offer. God gives us himself, and he is more than enough. David finds joy in having a relationship with God. David finds joy in connecting with God at the end of the day. Not a fleeting emotion. It is not based on his current situation because he's stressed and being attacked and yet he finds more joy than anybody else because he finds it in God. It's in pursuing a relationship with God, deepening that relationship with God that you find joy. Not in the stuff, not in the things this world has to offer because they are temporary. 
Joy runs deeper than a fleeting emotion. Joy is not temporary. It is not based on your current situation. And when we experience God's presence, when we experience that deep relationship with God, we experience His joy, and there is peace and rest to be found there. Look at verse 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. There's still stresses surrounding David. When he wakes up that next morning, those guys are still going to be attacking him. Those guys are still going to be slandered. The stress will still be there, yet in the midst of the chaos of his world, he finds rest. He says, I'm not going to stay up stressing all night long and worrying. I'm not going to lay in this bed freaking out. I'm going to sleep in rest in the safety that God provides. There is rest to be found in knowing and trusting God. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's a promise. That's a gift God has given. You have a God who made you, who knows you, and who loves you. A God who freely offers his peace and rest to any and all who are looking for it. There are some this morning that are exhausted. You are exhausted, and you have exhausted yourself trying to do it all on your own, trying to be the best that you can be all on your own, trying to find rest and peace in yourself or in this world. How exhausted are you? Not are you exhausted, because I know you're exhausted. How tired are you? That's a tiring endeavor. There is rest to be found in God's grace. And there are some of us here this morning who you know that there's a rest to be found in God's grace. You know the truth of the Bible. You know what God has promised. You know what God offers. And yet you still are living and acting as if you don't. You have forgotten what is already yours. The grace and peace and rest of God, the joy of Christ is yours. The peace and joy of being in a full and deep relationship with God is already available to you. Why ignore that? My prayer for us this morning is that we know and trust who God is. That we live a life in response to that truth. And that we might sleep well tonight, resting in his peace and joy and safety. Let's pray.